Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from his palatial three-bedroom apartment in Chicago is Dan Schiffmacher. Dan, how are you? Bill, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Thank you for asking. We were just talking a little bit beforehand about, like, you know, being over 30 and liking video games, and you're not quite there yet, but you have to face that reality soon. Yep. And I'm going to tell you from the other side, it's not that bad, really. I think uh, a lot of people our age now just grew up with video games, and it's fine. It's totally it's fine. So, I often think it's interesting how, like, my children, how I'm going to, like, how I'm going to get them started on video games. You know, like, and that's kind of the reason why I, I ended up getting a SNES Classic is because I kind of want them to experience, like, that 8-bit stuff before it gets into anything big. But it's, you know, you can't control that. People, Minecraft is a great thing for kids to play, you know. Um, so it's, it's who knows where they'll be at the time, video games will be at the time of, you know, when I have kids or something. I'm a little concerned that uh, if I have children, I don't, I don't want to be too, like, intense about sharing my interests with them because I think that's, like, there's a risk there of turning them off to that. At least that's how I perceive stuff mm, when I was okay. a kid. So I mean, maybe I'll be end up being like too ro- detached, and then they'll be like, "Oh, I didn't have any hobbies when I was a kid. If only my dad had been there to teach me how great Nintendos were." Yeah, and then I'll I look mean, back. I didn't think of that. I hope that doesn't happen. My goal is to have them like uh, what I love about games is being able to figure things out. I've always wanted to figure things out and take things apart and trying to figure out puzzles and all this other stuff. So a lot of the, you know, those kind of games appeal to me more. And I hope that, you know, especially with like Legos and stuff like that growing up, that's the kind of thing that I want to instill in them. So if I don't have to shove a SNES, you know, in their face or whatever, it's fine. But if I'm playing it and they're like, what's that? I'm like, oh, well, this is just Super Mario World. Oh, you know what that is? Well, remember, you know, Super Mario, Mario Odyssey 3? That's the same art. <laughs> well, as a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more quality podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Now, putting aside hypothetical futures of future children, presently, Dan, what have you been playing? It's I've been playing a few things, and I don't know. I had a $25 iTunes gift card. Uh, I got for Christmas. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And I just had it. And so I pay for extra cloud storage. So it started taking away money from, you know, my monthly $2, whatever from that gift card. I'm like, no, wait a minute. No, 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 This is for something I want to buy. I want to buy something. So I looked and said, okay, well maybe I'll buy, I'm on the train an hour and a half every day, you know, there and back to the, to the city, uh, the loop. And I was like, okay, this was some games I never just played, you know, never wanted to buy, but I heard it was good. So Monument Valley uh, is what I've been playing on the train. Um, I bought like they had a pack. It was like seven bucks for both of them, uh, the one and two. And then I, so I beat one actually just today. I beat one and they had, there was like an extra thing and then some like a dollar or something for a DLC. So I beat one and all of the DLC and everything. And I haven't moved on to two, but Monument Valley, uh, for the iPhone is what I would, that and Thimbleweed Park for the Switch. Those are the two games that I've been back and forth with. And you're playing Thimbleweed Park at home, but not on the train? Yeah, I see. I, I still, I've only brought in my Switch on the train once just because, well, you ride the red line, right? I do. So do you, you wait, do you play the Switch on the red line? I will if I have a game I want to play on there. I was playing like uh, Odyssey on the train. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I I am nervous about it for some reason. Like, I I'll, I'll go on the train. I just don't feel like in the morning I have enough space to play. Oh, on the morning commute, yeah, that's going to be very difficult. I think. Yeah, yeah. And then what stopped you get off of? I know this is great podcast stuff, but <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I think it's fine. I get off at the uh, the Monroe stop. Oh, okay. I'm Jackson. The next one. So, uh, yeah, mo- a lot of people. I guess when I get on on the way back, there's it's not that bad. But someday I'll like. You know, and then like I said on the blue line, I, I go sometimes the blue line from my girlfriend's house, and there was a guy next to me playing his Switch, and he's playing I think Xenoblade or something. I don't know he's playing uh, Skyrim, Skyrim. Um, and I was like, damn it, I have mine. I should just do that. I should be playing it. I should, that's the whole point of this system is to is to play these games. That dude is showing you the way. He is. I got to do it. So and there's still I still haven't beat all the Zelda DLC yet or anything like that. So I got some games to catch up on, but. As of now, uh, yeah, I, I play Thimbleweed Park at home, and then um, on the train right now, I have Monument Valley to get through, and I also bought Fez, and I haven't played Fez, 
but they have it for the iPhone. So I was like, all right, well, I don't want to miss it. You know, that's a game that I could just easily play. And it's kind of like Monument Valley. It is. I it think came out first, though, I think, right? Fez came out a long time ago now. Yeah, it's been like, it's got to be almost 10 years at this point that yeah. the Fez originally was released. But it keeps getting ported to every system that's come out afterward. Right. And they were going to make a Fez 2, but it was canceled, right? You just Yeah, yeah. The uh, the developer, uh, Phil Fish, is, I guess, a little... Uh, I don't know. I don't, don't want to put any like negative words on him. Just like he got tired of receiving right. online criticism for his game. So he's just like, we're not going to make it anymore. It's done. Yeah, I remember something about... A comment about the industry being toxic or something. I don't know. but Well, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um so those, that's what I've been playing. What okay. about you? I have been playing a couple games that I've been streaming on my uh, Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash so many bits. First off, I was playing Yakuza 0. Okay. So uh, Yakuza, I started that game back in like May or June of last year. I played for literally a half hour. I put it down because I was getting on a plane and I had to travel the next day. So then I mm. never picked it up again for another eight months or so. And finally picked it up again in January this month. And that came out that's a because that game that series has been out for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's titled Yakuza Zero, but it's actually like the at least the sixth entry in the series. They they've done one through five, and a couple other like spinoff games. Is it like a uh, Resident Evil Zero type situation where they released it? It's a zero, but it's like t- the timeline of it takes place before. Yeah, the I mean other it's ones. it's a prequel to the original Yakuza. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then there's another one, actually, Yakuza 6, coming out in March. But this one takes place, it's meant to go in, like, 1985. You play as, uh, I believe, Kazuma Kiryu, who's this low-ranking thug in the Yakuza. And he, early on, he gets framed for a crime he did not commit. And you're going to try and, like, figure out what happened and why that happened and who you have to punch to make things right. Because in this, so I didn't really know what to expect of Yakuza going into it. I know it's a bit eccentric, and people really like it who have played it. Hmm. It's actually a brawler. It's like a Streets of Rage or Final Fight type game, really, at its like core. A th- like a three D version. Like it's not like a side scrolling, is it? It is three D. Yeah. Three D. Okay. Yeah. So you're running around uh, Japan. In 1985 or so, yeah, and you also like get into random encounters with uh, people you meet on the street. Interesting, and you'll fight them. I, I picture uh, like Arkham a little bit, like kind of like that, or yeah, a little bit like that. There's definitely a very deep fighting system going on. There's like basic combos and like light attacks, heavy attacks. There's a counter. There are different special moves. There's like a, a, a super meter. And there's a bunch of different upgrades you can do. Like they showed you this huge chart of like things you can upgrade in uh, Kiryu's fighting abilities that mm. I haven't really touched much of yet. Huh. And then in between the fights are this is this really dense, dialogue-heavy story about like just Kiryu and like this other dude talking about Yakuza life. It's it's very slow and very uh, it's not it's very deliberate talking about things that don't necessarily advance the plot, just like how you present yourself as like a Yakuza and like, oh, you have to uh, have an expensive bottle of liquor on tap at this bar available for you. Then shows people your high status. It was like this kind of meandering nonsense, Hmm. but it's kind of cool. And and then there's also another thing that Yakuza I think is known for are these insane mini games. So far I've only found one. It's a karaoke mini game. Interesting. So you can you can choose a, a few different songs to play, and it'll do like a bunch of button taps on screen that you have to keep up with while Kiryu sings along. And then if you do well enough, it turns into a music video. Wow. Yeah. That's super. That's interesting. It almost has a little bit of a like the ridiculousness of Metal Gear. Sometimes, like there's those little things that sometimes you'll or like is it Metal Gear or I'm trying to think what game I think it's like they just have some weird things hanging around or yeah I mean Metal Gear is known for that I, I would say there's yeah. like these very strange moments that either are just strange in the game's universe or exist outside the game's universe and are strange hmm and uh just I, I creep it's just crazy like not crazy but just like Japanese kind of humory type mini game stuff I, I, I guess so yeah it's, it's a very much a Japanese game down to its core it is 
I mean, only available with English subtitles. There is no English voice in the game. Oh, okay. This is PS4? This is PS4, yeah. Uh, I believe it was the first entry in the series that was made only for next generation, or I guess now this generation consoles. They were previously putting that out for like PS3 and PS4. Mm. But yeah, uh, there's this. And... I'm, I think it's well made and a good game. I just I'm not sure I have the appetite for like this very dense crime drama, which seems to be mm. formulating in the game story. I, I think it's doing a good job of what it's trying to do. I, I just don't know that I want that. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll see. I, I'm. I think if I can't really get into this one, I can't get into Yakuza Six, even though I like the idea in Yakuza Six. First off. It has a bunch of like New Japan pro wrestling people guest starring in it, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> and then also, one thing that each of these games have is you can uh, play different classic Sega arcade games in the world. Really? Yes. Yeah. That's like an old school thing they used to do in games, like put like actual games inside of the games. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So like uh, in uh, the new one, Yakuza Six, it'll be a full version of Virtua Fighter 5 will be available in it, which is an old game now. I mean, it's like right, yeah. several years old by now, but I still think that's pretty neat that they would do that. Yeah, and it was even kind of like uh, in Wolfenstein, having a, it's not a full game, but it was like you, you would play like the old Wolfenstein game. Yeah. Kind of in that. I love when they make references like that and, 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 and do that kind of stuff. There was, I'm trying to think like, other like i feel like rare did that a lot in a lot of their games back in the day yeah they would put another game inside i think like donkey kong was in the donkey kong 64 Mm -hmm. for example even was it even uh metroid prime had like i think the original metroid or something like that yeah that was something where like if if you you had metroid fusion and you paired that with metroid prime somehow then it would let you play the original metroid yeah yeah you ever play samus returns Metroid 2? Uh, or the, uh, the new one that came out for the 3DS. Did you ever end up playing that? I did not play that. I have not either. picked that up. You, you you got it, though, right? I didn't get it. You didn't get it? I, I thought you were going to oh, get it for We were Christmas. talking about it, about getting it for Christmas, and, like, I, you know, I had, I did, we did, we did talk about that, and I I ended up just spending some gift cards on other things, and I kept saying, well, yeah, I should get it, because I want to play it, but I also, I have all these other games that I haven't played, so that's why I'm playing Thimbleweed Park, because I had bought it before. It's like, okay, if I can get through these games... And I beat these games. Then I think, uh, you know, I'll see where it is. I still want to get it. But then there's like rumors. Uh, man, do you think they ever will come out with a Switch release of that? Like what I, if they, you don't know. Like I would be surprised. I mean, uh, I think for them to put out a game that just came out on the 3DS on the Switch, I don't know if that's a priority for them, especially considering that yeah. Metroid Prime 4 is allegedly in the works. Right. Yeah. That's I'm just like, if I end up buying... For the 3DS, and you know, because they, they've they, there's no you know rhyme, they're just porting everything over. Yeah, and, and, everything is coming up. <laughs> yeah, everything is it like I mean, Donkey Kong Country Returns, Tropical or not, or the Tropical Freeze game. That was a good game, but like, you, I mean, there's a 3D version of that game, right, or something. And then there was, I yeah, know, I don't know. Anyway, um, I haven't gotten it yet. I want to play it because Metro is one of my favorite series. I just haven't. That, you know, to, to bust out my 3DS again, I haven't uh, haven't done it. Me neither. I was thinking for a while there that I was not going to play my Switch very much, and I would still play my 3DS for a while. And now, in the past, basically around the time Mario Odyssey came out, that was when it really flipped for me. And it's like mm-hmm. I can't go back anymore. I, it's, it's just too much of an improvement. Right. It's t- it's tough to go back. And I have the 3DS XL, not the new 3. So it's like it's just the same graphics as the 3DS. Just you know expanded bigger yeah yeah which was like the thing back then and it's still selling so like like the 2d like they had a good year with the 2ds stuff so like all right i guess keep making stuff for that i mean they have a giant base in that but i don't know yeah well aside from yakuza zero which i i might invest a little bit more time in and then move on i also got to play the beta for dragon ball fighters Oh, yeah, that looked great. It is great. I think that is going to be really good when it's officially out. It's actually going to be out already by the time you hear this recording. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. 
So I there were two different like moments for the beta. The first one, I guess they were having some connection issues early on, but when I got into it, I didn't have too many problems. I just went in and I played in the tutorial. I just like there was a section of the game map where you could go and just go through like 20 lessons on how the game mechanics work. And I went through all of them. Mm-hmm. And then the next time I came back, I did the, uh, just a bunch of one-on-one fights to see how that went. And the game is pretty cool. One, the main, the main thing that I think Dragon Ball fighters does that I like a lot is it's very accessible for a fighting game, especially for an arc system works fighting game. Usually this company, they've made other games called like guilty gear, blaze blue, uh, there are very, very complex games with very vast and complicated button inputs. Mm. Dragon Ball Fighters does a lot to simplify that. So, like, there are combos that you are mapped to square, 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 triangle, 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 and circle, 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 circle. Like, so you can just mash on a button and get a pretty cool and, and effective that. combo yeah. out of it. Now you can do more if you mix up the button presses. Yeah, for sure. But you can still get a pretty good value from just mashing one button. And then also they've really simplified a lot of the like special moves. Now they're pretty much all fireballs. And then if you want to do your super move, it's fireball with R1. If you want to do your like super duper move, it's backwards fireball and R1. Hmm. So like I, I think that just makes it it levels the playing field in a way that I think is very meaningful for people who are trying to get into fighting games. That was, yeah. see, I, playing a Dragon Ball Z fighting game, like, it comes back to me for, like, when I was, like, almost like as a kid, when I was, like, you know, in my early teens, like, 10, 11, 12, when I was watching the show and Blockbuster was the only way to, like, they didn't have them out in the West, really. It was a PS, PlayStation or PlayStation 2 game. And you had to rent it, and we could not find it anywhere, and it was tough to find. And then they came with all you know Tenkaichi and all this other stuff, and I ended up getting I think Tenkaichi two for the Wii, and it was really cool how they made you know the the motion controls work with that. Um, but it it's it looks like they really nailed the art style uh, with this Dragon Ball Fighters game, Fighter Z game. Yeah, I, I agree. They've been doing a similar style for a little while now with the Guilty Gear games, where it's actually three D models but done on kind of a 2d plane Mm -hmm. which lets you get those dynamic camera angles that you probably have seen in the trailers where like someone gets launched up in the air and then the other your guy like gets enveloped in an aura and shoots off into the air after them and starts punching them yeah yeah they really capture like the speed and the the fighting of of how they did that in in the in the series um Man, yeah, I, that's that was a game that I that I was just I just noticed and and was was like ugh, I really hope they there was a game wasn't that game but it was a different game that came out for the Switch right it was their previous Dragon Ball game I think Dragon Ball Xenoverse two Xenoverse came 2. out yeah, for yeah, the yeah. Switch but yeah that's a different developer I think and like I think it's a different style it's more uh, like open and free roaming in a world like where you move in three dimensions. I mean, Dragon mm. Ball Fighters is a 2D fighting game at its core. Hmm. Now, now are you a fan of Dragon Ball in general? Yeah. 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 I grew up. Yeah. I watched it, watched it, watched it on Toonami. I watched Dragon Ball Z and, uh, I, I actually, so I also do some freelance editing for another company that does a bunch of video game videos. And one of the videos I had to do recently was, one about Dragon Ball Z, Fighter Z, and like the history of the Saiyans and everything. And so, you know, I haven't watched any of that stuff in a while, you know, since it was probably probably 15 years, like I was a teenager. Um, but I was really into the, you know, the the whole, the Dragon Ball Z stuff. And I didn't, I didn't know that, it, that the show, A, has been on since the 80s, right? Like, yeah. It, like the it, Dragon Ball, then Dragon Ball Z, and now Dragon Ball Super, I think is the newest one. Yeah, I mean, it started in the 80s, and then it kind of ended in, like, 95. There was, there was Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, and those ended. Yeah. And then there was Dragon Ball GT, which was received very poorly, and that went to, like, 97 or 98. And then for a long, long time, there was nothing. There yeah. was, it wasn't until this current decade where they started making new movies, and eventually they turned it into an anime, Dragon Ball Super, which is mm. currently airing in Japan. And they're like starting to get into it here in America and dubbing episodes. Yeah. And it's 
that whole because like you know, doing this video and like relearning about all like these characters and, and, and like there's wait, 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 who the hell is Android Twenty One? Like there's like you know like there's different ones that that's a character in Dragon Ball Fighter Z, and it and it looks like she's a. I think she's an original character for the game. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I think like she's the new bad guy they introduced for this game. Oh, interesting. Cuz yeah, so like it kind of got me into like wanting to watch if there's, you know, you know or, or just know cuz I remember watching the Frieza saga, the Cell saga, and I I, do, I remember all, a bunch of the Majin Buu stuff and I don't remember what else was after that. So, I mean after Majin Buu, like Majin Buu is the end of Z. Okay. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so then GT follows the story, like, it picks up, like, I think, like, 10 years after the end of Z with a whole new plot and, like, new characters and stuff. And it's not as good and, like, the animation's mm-hmm. worse and stuff like that. But it seems like they've kind of swept that under the rug. They're not going to really talk about that. Dragon Ball Super picks up immediately after Z and it looks like they're just going to make their own new timeline going past that. That's cool, because then, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, Vegeta, and, and they're married, and, and have, you know, the kid, and, yeah, yeah it yep. remi- made me remind me, like, just remind me of all the stuff that happened in that show with, like, the Red Ribbon Army and all that other stuff, so, yeah, did you, I'm taking you, you're pretty familiar with it, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I watched it a lot in, like, Toonami. And, Toonami, for, yeah. 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 Come, then, home, come home from school, and it's like, you know, gotta turn it on for when it was on for me. Same here, yeah, like, I watched the same... 50 episodes or so like that first run that they had for the longest time i watched that like five six times every day when it would come on yeah good show good game (laughs) and so like that's i mean i'm always interested in playing that game and and then they came out with that movie oh my god yeah was that james mcavoy in that movie i think oh geez i was just looking that movie up recently it's got like the only name i remember is chow yun fat yeah i was in there and uh, yeah i don't know anyone else Somebody was, I don't want to say it's James McAvoy, but it might be somebody like that as the main whatever. And I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I still have fond memories of the series. And I, and I like, that's a game that's, is it, it's not PS4 only. It's multi platform, I imagine. It is. It's PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Okay. And I, I think this is like the best version of Dragon Ball, really distilled down to like the, the big explosions mm-hmm. and like the flashiest, most dramatic moments from the For anime sure. without all the waiting around or like flying between locations that yeah. is so well known in, in regular Dragon Ball TV. I feel like there was a DS game that came out that I played a lot or a Game Boy Advance game that uh, one of those games where it's kind of like you got to fly somewhere and then you got to get it. But it's kind of more of a adventure game versus a fighting game and even Tenkiji 2 was kind of a little bit like that where you had to combine things and unlock characters and I don't know yeah this is just straight up fighting yeah yeah like I would be interested in a well done Dragon Ball RPG I think that would be pretty cool too I don't know if it's I don't I, know if it's ever been done yeah I, like a, yeah, I'd be interested in that too like a Legend of Zelda style game too would be pretty great mm-hmm. like Goku or whatever just flying around or you know the dragons. This, yeah, it would be a good one. Mm-hmm. So do that. Yeah, do that. Do that. Please. Please. Uh, but that's what I've been playing. Uh, I mean, cool. yeah, just those two pretty much. Uh, I think that brings to an end our section for how you're playing, what you're playing. Dan, I... Uh, let's see here. I think there's a thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. Is it a magical thing? It is. It involves wizardry. And wonder and spells. So yes. So I, I at this point I'm gonna move into Bill's Magic Minute. Uh, I you know I really enjoy the game Magic the Gathering, and I really like an opportunity to talk about it without like any context or explanation. Just kind of get it all out there. All right, Bill. So I allow myself one minute. One minute to get it all out of my system, and then we move on with the rest of the episode. So you, it looks like you're ready. I'm to ready to go, yeah. Okay. I, ready? I'll yep. Let you go. Oh, my. Okay, ready, set, go. Last weekend, I played in Grand Prix Indianapolis. Out of 514 teams, my two friends and I finished 27th. That's probably my best finish in like any Magic tournament I've ever had. We were doing a team-sealed event, which means that 
the cards were given to us when we arrived. And uh, on the first day of competition, I played a black-white vampires deck. Our team overall went six and two. I went five and three on the day. We came back for Sunday, day two of competition. We got a new set of cards. For this, I played a black-green splashing white deck, mostly fixated on dinosaurs. I went. Uh, our team overall went four and two. I went two and three. We there was one match that was not decided by the time our team had already lost. I was really hoping that going forward we could continue to play in other team events there is there's more coming up in uh like april and may and june and i think we're going to try and make that happen again and that's it all right wow you're getting better you're getting good at timing these things now at this point dan we'll move into our choose your fighter segment for the podcast if you're not familiar dan and i will go back and forth with one news article event or upcoming game until only one of us is left standing uh dan i think I'm feeling pretty good, feeling pretty charged up. My mana pool is uh, full, I guess. Cool, then I'm going to tap it. Well, That's a magic term, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to keep on going here. I wanted to talk about a, uh, a Jason Shire article from Kotaku that came out recently talking mm-hmm. about Anthem. Now, Anthem is Bioware's next big release. It was originally scheduled for late 2018. It's been pushed back to early 2019. Mm. And uh, Bioware, you know, they, they have a track record of many great games. They started out in like the late 90s with like Baldur's Gate. They had uh, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. They did Mass Effect, Dragon Age. And they've kind of fallen on hard times, especially after Mass Effect Andromeda came out and was a gigantic bust. Did they get acquired by EA? They were acquired by EA, okay. yes. And that, you know, you could draw a correlation between them getting acquired by EA and the quality of the games going down. Hmm. Especially because they, it seems like companies struggle when they're trying to use the Frostbite engine, which all EA games use. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm far from knowledgeable about game development, but the articles I've read from people like Jason Shire imply that there is a developmental difficulty using Frostbite to create certain things that aren't shooters, basically. Mm. So Frostbite works really well with like Battlefield and Star Wars Battlefront. Mm. Not so much with Mass Effect where there is shooting, but there are other things you want to do in the game. Yeah, it's like a third person game versus like a first person kind of shooting game, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So Anthem from all accounts appears to be their take on destiny it's like a it's a sci-fi world mm-hmm. you you go on quests taken from a main hub there's like these mech suits basically you get into that have you mm-hmm. know superpowers that you can presumably level up and it seems like the company is really kind of all in on anthem the uh, the reports coming out of the article indicate the the there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And that to make it good. To make it good. And while it's not like completely screwed, there there is definitely difficulty in getting this game to work ideally. Did you play Mass Effect Andromeda? To be fair, I did not play Mass Effect Andromeda. I did okay. not. I didn't play I haven't played any of the Mass Effect games, but I heard that Andromeda wasn't like the best outing. So I played one, two, and three. Yeah. I, I played them a lot. I I bought a lot of the DLC for like two and three. I really really enjoyed those games mm-hmm. and i also played some of dragon age all of dragon age 2 and some of dragon age inquisition okay so i, I would consider myself a pretty big bioware fan mm-hmm. and i want them to succeed i want them to keep making games <laughs> it just it, is the is the bioware that's owned by ea the same people that was the bioware that made those games that is a great question because yeah. uh, <laughs> like rare now isn't what rare was right yeah, yeah. I mean, so, that they're completely unrecognizable, I imagine. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things that happened is they actually brought in Casey Hudson, who was a big wheel on the Mass Effect games, to head up Anthem within the past year. And he had been gone for a while. He had, like, kind of left Bioware for a while prior to Andromeda's release. Now he's back to finish up on Anthem. So I don't know what that means. It, it usually you would think that like changing, like the the head developer yeah, or yeah. lead developer on these games, late on and or even midway through development is a bad sign. Yeah. Like changing directors on a movie, you know? It, yeah, it's so like the Han Solo story. Yep. <laughs> that movie 
comes out in four months and we haven't seen anything about it. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, it, you know, it really, there's interesting, I mean, maybe this is another, another topic for another day, but like just the, the, the indie game kind of feel and then these high budget, big, you know, pressure games, you know, where you're making these crazy, like, I, I think I saw that article too. And in that article, there was a video and I watched the video of Anthem cause I wasn't as familiar with it. Um, but it looks really cool and like you're just flying around everywhere and the video like like it was a I forget what was the name what they they took apart like the graphics and the stuff like that you know of it of seeing if it was like you know just really picking it apart and I was like man this is kind of crazy cuz like this looks really nice and you're we're trying to see if it runs at 60 frames a second or all this sort of stuff and like I, I imagine, I remember times when I was playing Breath of the Wild and I was just looking at it and I was like, this is a beautiful game. This is a thing. And it, you know, it doesn't run in 60 frames a second. There's pop and there's, you know, all these things that would be considered, you know, the rent, you know, whatever. But like, I don't know. Like, I think I'd play Anthem and still be like, this is, a, this is a, this is a beautiful, you know, game. I, I guess my point is I wouldn't, you know, pick it apart like that. Um, but that's what this, whatever I think game, it might not get game explained, but another channel that does that kind of stuff, uh, that specifically goes through games and points out things like that. I mean, there is a bit of a cycle to it where there is more money invested in these big games and that oh, leads okay. to higher production values. And then that mm-hmm. leads to raised expectations of graphical performance. I, I think those yeah. all, all go hand in hand in hand. Yeah, that's true. And it, it's fair that that does not always apply to Nintendo. Nintendo just seems a lot more artful yeah. about making their games look good without using overwhelming graphical or computer power. There's yeah. just a their their cartoonier style allows them more latitude to have things maybe not look quite as sharp. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It it was just an interesting thing. It's like you know when you think about games and and, and playing these games and. In, in all of that and but you're right you, if, if they're investing all that money into it they should be expecting a, a better i guess product i don't know well i mean it yeah it's you they they invest more money because they think they can make more money and mm-hmm. it's kind of like the hollywood blockbusters now where it's like these are considered the big investments that are relatively speaking safer than like some a bunch of smaller or like a bunch of mid-sized investments like EA kind of tried it the other way where they're like, we're going to make a sequel to mirror's edge, which was a game that did not sell well, but had a kind of a cult following. I remember that they came out, right? When it did. PS4 came out. It, uh, it, uh, yeah, the original mirror's edge came out. I like, I think it came out for like 360. I think something it was an early, yeah, I remember but, the game. Yeah. There, there is a, yeah. A PS4 one mirror's edge catalyst. And that, it did okay in its reviews and it did not sell very well. And mm. it like EA kind of got punished for trying to go like more middle of the road, so to speak in terms of like a, like a B release. If, mm. if uh, Anthem is a, an A or triple A release. Yeah. And I just, I, I mean, it seems like it's almost impossible for a creative expression which ultimately, at their heart, games still are, yeah. to be successful in that kind of environment. It's, it's hard for me to imagine Anthem is going to succeed in that environment. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that. I mean, the talk of the developers, like, you know, I was asking if Bioware is the same team as, your, as the games you love. Um, you know, I was playing, uh, you know, when it came out, Ukulele. And that's there's some people in that that were part of that rare team, and you can see some like in this game, some of those fun elements and, and, and some of those things. I haven't played it in a bit, but it was. I remember when I played it, it was it was a fun. It was right when Odyssey came out. I think it was around that time, and and so like it was interesting to see a different kind of 3D platformer back in like more of the style of uh, the old old ways of doing things. You know, I don't know. But you see that, like, stuff that's the spirit of these developers and these ideas kind of live on. It, it does. Things, projects, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's another trend that we're seeing more is the cult of personality around individual developers. And 
didn't really exist before. It, it, I mean, I guess to be fair, it started in like the early nineties with like John Romero. That was, it's been a while, around for a while, but I think it's picking up steam. It's happening in more different places now. Well, and I think the, the mass, uh, media of things like the, the, back in the nineties in the, or even the early two thousands, it kind of was like, you got a gaming magazine and it talked about things developers, but now you can follow a developer and, and tweet at them or something. You know, I remember when I got twisted metal, when they released it at a re-released or the new game for PS3, I followed, uh, what's this? David Jeffy. David Jeffy. Yeah. I follow him on Twitter and I made a, like a, a, a cause you can make your own car designs. I made a design and I tweeted the design at him and then he, he played it for a day and like tweeted back or something. So that, that's such a cool, you know, thing that, you know, you can engage with, uh, these, you know, people or artists and you, you know, like who's that person responsible for? And I guess it's better because you get to know, you know, the people behind it rather than just like, Oh, you know, this company makes the games. That's why I like them or something, you know, it is definitely cool. And, and just like with all parts of Twitter, it, it has that other side to the, to the edge, to the sword. A, I mean, it's the two sides to the sword. Edge sword. Yeah, that, that's good. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, so Racers like <laughs> if you uh, show up in your Twitter bio with like developer at Bioware mm-hmm. and someone finds you and is like, yo, all these Mass Effect games suck. Anthem sucks. I mean, it's just got to be like, well, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I got that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the internet, right? It is. It's uh, not something we should have to settle for, but it is a thing that's happening right now that hopefully we can fix for the future. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it just, yeah, there's more pressure than ever and more accessibility than ever, which is good in some ways and can, I think, be a risk or uh, a stressor in other ways. For sure. For sure. But, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about Anthem. All right. Well, my fighter... Uh, wait, is it Choose Your Fighter? What is this? Yeah, this is Choose Your Fighter segment, right? It is Choose Your Great. Fighter, yeah. Aha! Mine is uh, the Nintendo Labo. I'm going to say Labo because I think it's Labo. You think? That makes sense. Like, Labo like, sounds... It sounds weird. a little. It sounds a little weird. Yeah, a little too much like uh, a labia, and I don't. <laughs> that was, I don't want. No, that's. I mean, that's. I mean, that's a good labo. Uh, yeah. Know, okay. Yeah, we're that. That was a good <laughs> labo. Tell me about labo. Labo. Uh, you can cut that out if you want. Nah. Um, <laughs> It, it is, and I, we, we actually tried to explain that. I recorded there. We tried to explain this to somebody beforehand who didn't know what the switch was and didn't yeah. even know. So I had you did ex- a much better job than I did. I thought I, I thought just, I had it unlocked. I didn't know. I wasn't listening to it, and, and she wasn't. I guess getting it. So I just had to bring out the switch and just, hey, this is the switch. You can take the controllers off, and this thing's got a camera, and you can. I, I thought it was. I'm not going to buy this for myself. I know, but it's such a cool thing for kids to play. And I was like, this isn't. You know, this is such a creative idea. Oh, I guess to explain what it is. Yeah, right? let's yeah. explain what it so is. So it's yeah. a series of it's a series of um, it's it's for the Switch, uh, and it's a series of cardboard kind of uh, template things. They're not they're like not like cardboard, but they're like a they're uh, cardboardish, like perforated cardboard. Per, yeah, I guess we'd say like, where it's got like obvious indentions. Yeah, in like it. a fancier kind of cardboard thing. Um, this kind of so like there you get templates and you create these different kits. Like you can get a piano, you can make a piano, or you can make some other things. So this kind of thing already exists with with, with kids, and I didn't know this because I don't have kids. But like, there's like these like a Tinker Box or something it's called, where you get a, a box a month and they give you like these instructions. You kind of have to build this these objects out of all these you know different um, cardboard stuff. So they kind of borrowed that a little bit, and then. Um, just introduce the switch to it. So now you're taking your joy cons and you're putting them in different parts. Like you're building this cardboard thing, like a piano for say, and you put the joy con in the, the one with the camera, like the IR camera in the side of it. So when you press the keys, the things inside of the piano, the, the camera can recognize what key you're pressing based on the depth of it. And then you put your switch uh, system on, on top of it and there's software that comes with it so it's like these kind of mini games kind of gave me a Nintendo Land kind of vibe of the types of games um, and so and there's different things there's, there's like two or three packs there's a variety pack that has a, you know a couple different things like the piano thing it's got like a fishing rod and a few other little mini games and then there's a robot one yeah uh, and the and robot that, one looked cool that looks like a game that they had shown in the past too i think I think that's project the miyamoto's game the the robot one yeah yeah, project yeah, yeah. robot or something like that they never for, it was supposed to come out for the wii u but they never 
uh, did anything with it. And so I think this is them finally reusing because they don't really ever get rid of ideas when they when they have them. And that seemed really cool to be a kid. Like so, the robot one is you're building a backpack and it's got strings and you, and you you're holding. I think there's only one Joy-Con in your hand. I think the other one is in the backpack itself. The one camera, because because again, you have a bunch of a series of strings that it, it recognizes from the camera, and so depending on what you're doing, what you're moving up and down, whatever you're doing, it you know it sees uh, it sees that and it reacts to that, and so you're kind of wearing this like thing, and you know if if any of that looked interesting to me, it was that, uh, but you know. They even like preface this with this is going to be probably for kids, you know, don't, you know, this isn't virtual console. This isn't, you know, uh, whatever. Um, I, th- I still think it's so cool though. It's so creative. And, and well, the biggest thing too is like, no, I'm amazed that no one even saw this coming. Like, cause there was no leaks, you know, there's been leaks to Nintendo directs forever. And there even was, was maybe a little bit of a leak being like, there's going to be something today. And, you know, even the week before with Nintendo Direct with Dark Souls, it was like, oh, it's going to end with Dark Souls. Everybody, uh, you know, right before it happened. Right, yeah. We, like, we knew about that well in advance. And, like, we, we talked about that a little bit on that episode where we talked about the Direct. And then, yeah. like, just after that, oh, also there's this other thing that no one knew about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so this thing, it, it, it got to me like, are they going to put something out? Every week until the, you know, I was like, are they going to make a, you know, a thing? And th- th- there was no even like thought about this. And, I, and it just, it was the same kind of reaction that I had when I found out with a switch. You know, I was on the YouTube page and I knew when the, um, I think the switch was that just, a, it was a video drop, the trailer in October when they knew there was going to be a thing coming out at a certain time. And everybody was on the Nintendo website, but I went to their YouTube page and you just go to their videos and refresh the page and it'll just, the newest video will pop up because they embed it from there. Um, I thought about this. <laughs> uh, so, you know, at the time it was like NX, you know, we thought it was NX. And so you refresh and you see the video. It was like, first look at Nintendo Switch. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Switch? So the same thing happened this time. I refreshed the page and it said, first look at Nintendo Labo. I'm like, what the hell is this thing? And so I I was, ex- it's just such a creative idea. And I think it's some, I like, it, it, there was like so many different posts about it online. You know, someone was like, this is the most Nintendo thing that they've ever done. And it's, it's amazing to see. It's refreshing to see they're still doing these weird creative things. And it's also like for kids, you know, being trying to be who want to be like an engineer, want to build things like it's a really cool way to kind of like learn and and, you know, integrate their game stuff. Um, and someone had the idea of. Uh, another podcast I listened to, I think, came up with it. Of like, what if they made a Labo like uh, arcade? Like you build oh, yourself that would be cool. an arcade, and you put you got the thing in here, and you and there you go. You play your, your games, and like you know, if not, if they don't, someone's going to do it. Some probably already has, I think. But like you know, like there's so many things you can do with this. Um, so, not for me, but it's a super creative idea. Uh, and I, I applaud them for still kind of thinking outside of the box, <laughs> literally. Yep, yep, uh, yep. <laughs> this is kind of a boring reason to like it, but I think it's impressive that they tackled, I think, one of the issues with these kind of devices is like, well, you make this cool peripheral, and then I play it with like one game, and then it's done forever, and then it goes to Salvation Army or the garbage, or, you know, it's waste. Yeah. With cardboard, it's a lot harder to waste that like i mean it's recyclable yeah and it's meant to break down anyway yeah so i, I like i think that was a cool solution to mm-hmm. that issue i think that probably a lot of families have is like oh we don't want to get another toy for little theodore that is plastic and sits around and yeah, yeah yeah it takes up space in our garage and then for stores too for the brick and mortar stores it's like Remember when like all the rock band guitars and the Guitar Hero drum sets and stuff were out there, and they're like probably like, oh my god, we got so many of these things, we can't yeah, move them. DK bongos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I used to have all four of those. But you can just like stack up a ton of cardboard on like one shelf, and that probably doesn't take up too much space. And like, if the worst comes to the worst, you can recycle the cardboard. I guess you probably would right. do something else with it. There, first, yeah. But. So these packs are sixty or seventy bucks. Yeah, like seventy bucks. 
Um, but it's mainly because there's a gaming, like they ought to be like, Oh, that's way too much for cardboard. I'm like, well, you're getting a game. Yeah. You're paying for the software. Yeah. There's a game and the cardboard. So I imagine they'll have replacements for it. You know, if you want to buy the other one, not the game. Well, no, they kind of go, I mean, there's probably gonna be replacements, but like usually they follow the, you know, the game. Um, there was a rumor around that like IGN France posted that they were going to give out templates, provide templates to people who, you know, who, uh, just want who don't want to buy the things, but um, that would be generous. I would be surprised would, but, if they did that. It would, but also, well, I don't know. I was gonna say, how would you play it? I guess you could download it if it's an eShop thing, you know. Um, it seems like that's begging for them to get hacked, which they're already worried about, and yeah. have another way for people just to easily capture that. Yeah, I, um, yeah, so, well, it was the, the IGN friends took it down, so it's not a, a true thing. Ah, okay. Um, oh. You know, if they did, it was a very generous thing, but I'm sure that they'll sell the cardboard packs probably for like 10, 15 bucks. Like they can't, you know, individual sheet. I'm sure when that comes out, like this was just the first look, and, and it releases in April. Yeah. 420. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was like, I think, I think on the internet, there was like, uh, everybody's like, look at all these graphics in 4K and, and polygon resolution, all this other stuff. And Nintendo's yeah. like, let's play with cardboard on 420. Right, let's right. Let's just do it. It's <laughs> like, Last of Us 2, watch us break this woman's arm with a hammer. Nintendo, hey, you can be a robot. <laughs> that was that was like their, their at the at E3 or at the Sony conference, that was like their video that they showed was this brutal moment. Yeah, that was messed up. That was real messed up. I have no interest in playing that game. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't have a PS4, but like... Maybe they'll rehab it later. Maybe it'll like... Maybe there'll be something else in there to justify the game, but... She has a robot arm. <laughs> yeah. That's the cause yeah. of it. And the robot arm is just a super, you know, part of it and really kill people with it. That'd be the ultimate, like, comeback, I guess. From, I guess so, yeah, that. yeah. But uh, we'll have to see. That'll be a conversation for another day. Yeah, the robot arm podcast. Yes. Welcome to So Many Bots. Whoa. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me for this uh, episode is Dan Schiffmacher, Robot Arms. Beep, boop, bop, beep, boop, bop, boop, beep, boop, zero, zero, one. Uh, well said, well said. Anything else to add about Labo? Labo, no, I don't know. Like, that's, I mean, it was a three-minute video, so they know <laughs> yeah. what, you know, and they, they put they have a website out. You can check it out. Um, you know, it's just, uh, for people who I know have kids, they seem to really love it. Um the kids like were you know really liked it and people go the kids are growing i think crazy for switches now so it's it's an interesting you know thing um no it's just a really refreshingly creative idea and like the nintendo is already like they're just adding more coal to the fire you know it, it, the, the switch is doing uh really well and it's almost its first year and they, you know, and they just like you on virtual console. No, we'll give you that. You know, so there's another there's another reason for a whole different part of people to want the switch. You know, like it's they kind of got a little bit, you know, more casual or even hardcore with some games. But like the kids aspect, you know, they're really like that's a market that I don't know that Sony and Microsoft spent, especially now. Like, well, I don't know. I don't know if they spent a lot of time marketing towards them. They're, they're definitely zagging while PlayStation and Xbox zig. Yeah. And I think they're doing it, unlike with the Wii, they're doing it in a way that doesn't leave us like more, you know, veteran, hardcore, experienced, you know, we don't have to use gatekeeper terms here, but people who've played a lot of games that want to play games like the games they already played, they're doing that too. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, this is interesting because it's not even, it, it does not affect, like it's a thing you can get for the Switch or you, you can not get for the Switch. You know, it's not something it'll define, you know, like that kid game for the Switch. It's, it's just a whole separate thing. Yeah, and, and I mean, they're literally putting out Dark Souls a month after. They're right. Putting out, they're putting out Bayonetta 1 and 2. They're working on Bayonetta 3. They're, yeah, yeah. There's lots of, yeah, really gamey games for like your your joystick or your switch pro controller that if you want to do that, you can do it. Yeah. So it's not taking away anything. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Do it. So you, they're not taking away. They're not robbing Peter to pay Paul here. There's room for everything, which is great. But I think that does bring this choose your fighter segment to a close. Dan, we're going to go to the judges now. 
And they call it a draw. A draw. It's, it was hard fought. Someday. Someday. But not today. I will defeat you. On your own podcast. Yes, on my own podcast. <laughs> Dan, uh, if you want people to find you either electronically or in person, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me online. Uh, Twitter is Ain't Got No Tweets. I, I, I don't tweet a lot, so that's why that's my Twitter handle. I see. Uh, but I would just always push Sucking Wind Collective and the site that I started, and I have my own podcast called Talking Wild with Dan. Uh, I interview animals uh, just to see what it's because I have the ability to talk to animals. So I interview them to see what it's like being an animal, you know? Birds and, you know, uh, bees, bears. I've had a service dog, and I've had a, a Chicago a retired police dog. So I had that kind of dog thing going, and then I, you know, um, those are the ones that kind of stuck out to me. I know that I've done, oh, there was a uh, a seal, I think. Man, I could, I could have got that wrong. I don't know. You just talked a lot of animals, and you, okay. just, you know, you just kind of figure yeah. out. But yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of cool episodes, and I, I'm coming up to my 100th episode soon, so it's going to be, a, I'm going to have a, a panel of animal um uh, talent agents. So it's going to be a fun, uh, fun thing. Ask them what it's like, you know, uh, they have been, they're agents that have been brought, I've dealt with and they've been brought up in the conversations in the past hundred episodes. So that's going to be a big thing, I think coming up in later in February. So I'm excited for that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Almost a hundred episodes. Thank you. Yeah. What, are you almost at one fifty? We're closing in. Yeah. I mean, we're, uh, this thing is like one thirty nine. we're on right now. So yeah. yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. About, about three years. Yeah, it's weird to think. I mean, I mean for me too. It's I didn't start. I started doing uh, biweekly episodes my first year. So yeah, it's been about three years though. I think, which is crazy. It's it's a lot. Yeah, it seems it's fun though. You know, when you have the gift to talk to animals, you just want to do it. That's it's so generous of you to share that with us. Yeah. Thank you, thank well, you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. And if you want to hear other episodes of this show, uh, I can be reached by email, so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, where so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from SoundCloud, from Spreaker, from YouTube. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesdays and Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central. Wednesdays is usually for Magic the Gathering Online. Thursdays, normally for like a potpourri of games. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, I played Dragon Ball Fighters and Yakuza 0 on stream, but also games like Cuphead, Super Mario Odyssey, Battle Chef Brigade. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other quality podcasts. Support independent art. The spirit of Dell compels you. Sound effects, sound effects, sound effects, sound effects, sound effects. Welcome to So Many Butts. I'm here. Whoa! <laughs> if, you, if you're still listening, hang, no, stop no. the podcast now. No, 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 no. We're going to get into this right here. <laughs> so many butts.